This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. There are certain things in, uh, in the Scripture that uh, are landmark events. What I mean by that, I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it or not, but what I mean by that is certain events that the Bible refers to, uh, the Holy Ghost inspired the writers of the Scripture to refer to again and again and again. Learning times, learning points, learning events. And Paul is going to use one of those here in his uh, letter and his address to the Corinthians. So let's just start in verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now he's writing to Gentiles, but he's writing about something that happened in the history of the Jews. So if the Jews, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and those that went before us, are fathers to the Gentiles in Corinth, then they're fathers to us too. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. He's talking about the Red Sea. And did all eat and drink the same did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was christ but with many of them god was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted neither be ye idolaters as were some of them as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Notice it's not by God that brings the destruction. It's the destroyer, the work of Satan. Now, all these things happen to them for in samples. That's the same word that's used in verse um, 6 as examples. Now, all of these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now, he's speaking of several things several different times. First thing he makes mention of is the baptism unto Moses. Um, in the Red Sea. You remember the story how that God brought Egypt, uh, Israel out of Egypt through great signs and wonders, a great display of his power. You remember how that after the, after the last of the plagues, which was the death of the firstborn throughout all the land of Egypt, Pharaoh finally said, go and we don't want to see you again. Get out of here. So the Jews anywhere between 2 and 7 million people, depending on whose estimates you want to accept, then began leaving Egypt. But then Pharaoh, because of his own grief and the grief of the people around him, changed his mind and determined to go kill the whole lot of the Hebrews, the Jews that he had just released. They were boxed in, 
They had mountains on two sides, the, uh, the armies of Egypt in front of them, and behind them the Red Sea. And the people were naturally concerned. They saw this as a place of imminent death. But Moses cried out to God, and God said, divide the waters. It's, uh, we won't turn back there and look at it, but it's kind of funny if you don't understand God or the way he works. But when the people cried out to Moses, Moses said, don't worry, God will take care of us. Then he turns around to God and says, God, take care of us. And God says, what are you looking to me for? Now that just blows my mind. If I'm Moses, my first thought is, where am I supposed to be looking? What do you mean, what am I crying out to you for? But God was showing that Moses was the one that had authority to accomplish his, God's will, because he chose him and put him in position. So God says, what are you crying out to me for? Lift your rod, which is a sign of my power upon you and with you. Lift your rod over the Red Sea and divide the waters. So he did. Israel goes over on dry ground. The pillar of fire appears to keep the armies of Egypt away from them until they can escape. They get to the other side. The pillar of fire lifts. Pharaoh's armies come charging in to follow them, but it wasn't dry ground for them. They got bogged down in the sea, the midst of the sea, and then the waters came back together and drowned them. So he's talking about that event as being a place where Gentile believers, New Covenant, Gentile, New Testament, Gentile believers, just like you and me, he's saying we should remember these things and learn about God. He goes on to talk about the 23,000 that died when Moses came down from the top of Mount Sinai with the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. You remember how that while he was gone, while Moses was gone, they had convinced Aaron to create a golden calf that they could worship him. And they did. It's talked about here as an example for us not to make their same mistake. It talks about the time when they murmured against Moses and the fiery serpents came in and killed a mass of people, thousands of people. And it's telling us, it says to us again, twice in these few verses, it says these are examples for us. Well, we need to learn from the examples. Now I want to read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 11. I'm going to read a lot of scripture in this chapter. Maybe may you read the whole thing. We'll see. But the things that Moses has referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, apart from the Red Sea experience and the making of the golden calf, the other events, the other times he's speaking of and refers to were after the 10 spies came back with an evil report and they failed to take the promised land. So here's Moses in his farewell address, knowing that he's not going to enter into the promised land with Israel, but Joshua would take them through. This is his admonition, his parting speech, his farewell speech to the nation of Israel. 
beginning in verse 1, Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children, which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm, and his miracles and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, into all his land. And to what he did unto the army of Egypt, under their horses and under their chariots, how that he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord had destroyed them unto this day, and what he did unto you in the wilderness when you came into this place, and what he did unto Dathan and Eberim, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how that the earth opened their mouth, her mouth, and swallowed them up, and their households, and their tents, and all the substance that was with them that was then their possession in the midst of Israel. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Now you remember, I'll interrupt our reading for the sake of clarification on a couple of points. You remember how that in Numbers chapter 13, and we'll look there, uh, look at a verse or two over there in a minute, but how in the, the account of Numbers chapter 13, how the t 10 spies, 12 spies went into the land to spy out the land, and the 10 came back and brought an evil report, the scripture says, and was in, they were instrumental in the people of Israel, the children of Israel, not going over into the promised land, but rejecting God's plan. Everybody in that, uh, from that day forward died from age 20 and up. So who he's talking to here 40 years later in Deuteronomy chapter 11 is everybody that was younger than 20 years old at the time that these things happened and Israel failed to take the promised land or go into it to take the promised land. And notice how Moses says, you know because you saw. He says, I'm not writing to your children. I'm not writing or speaking to the children that hadn't been born, that were born during the 40 years of the wilderness experience. Because they don't know. But you know. Now, folks, there's something about that. Um, well, I don't know any other way to say it except like this. There's something about that that really sticks in my heart, grabs my heart about what Moses is indicating by the Holy Ghost, how that we as parents should pass things on to our kids. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
it's amazing to me how so many people are looking for Christian schools and churches to put the spiritual foundation in their kids to keep them in the place of God's blessing. It's not the church's job to teach your kids. It's not Christian school's job to teach your kids. They're your kids. Now, I know you have, at least most of you have, I, I would think almost all, all of you would have. At least that's what I expect to be true. I think we all feel the same way about our kids. But let me tell you something. It's rare for children to have a greater desire for the things of God than their parents do. That's rare. History shows that it's usually a diminishing effect from generation to generation. If you want your kids to have the same relationship you've got with God or a better one than you have with the Lord, you're going to have to work every day, all day to make sure they know what your relationship with God is about. I'm not sure a lot of people do that anymore. We all see and, and know the decline, the spiritual decline that takes place. We see it happening in our country. We see it happening in our churches. There's more and more, and I, I expect this to continue all the way to the end, at least in some circles. But more and more, there's a casual attitude toward the things of God that didn't used to exist. There is, in the world, this idea that we shouldn't push Christianity onto anybody that we should be tolerant and respect other people's freedom and liberty and whatever so that we don't push God on anybody and offend them. Well, how in the world does it make sense for that to get into our houses? Folks, we can't let that attitude into our homes. We just can't. My method of life is if somebody can't see it on me, then they're not going to believe him when I tell it. But I realized that kids know who we really are. They know what's really important to us. They know spiritually about spiritual things. They know if we're just going through the motions or if it's really us. If we can evangelize our kids to sports teams without really trying and you just have to take my word on that i don't really care whether they like them or not i don't even promote the idea that everybody should like them i just do well if our kids pick up things like that what else are our kids going to pick up our kids are going to know whether our relationship with god is genuine 
and they're going to know what value we place on it. Back to Moses' address. Verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 7. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land whether you go to possess it, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that flows with milk and honey. For the land whether thou goest to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence you came out, whether you sowed your seed and watered it with your foot as a garden of herbs. It's talking about the irrigation systems that they had. Apparently there were these things that kind of like treadmills that would pump the water from the Nile River to wherever they needed to go. But the land, whether you go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul, then I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath will be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, and lest ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest on thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Folks, if we don't teach our kids what we believe, they won't believe it. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Now think about that phrase, as the days of heaven upon the earth. We've uh, talked a lot in the last couple of years about the kingdom of God. How that Jesus had his disciples, when they asked him how to pray, to teach them to pray, Jesus gave them what we know of as the Lord's Prayer. It really should be the disciples' prayer. And there are a lot of things about the Lord's Prayer that don't fit New Testament prayer. The principles are there. But Jesus was teaching them how to pray during a specific period of time during his earthly ministry, his three years of ministry here on the earth. And things changed after that when Jesus went to the cross and was raised from the dead. But one of the principles that Jesus taught his disciples, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The definition, Jesus gives us the definition of the kingdom of God, and that is where the will of God is done on the earth just like it is in heaven. And that's the message that Jesus sent his disciples out to preach. He didn't tell them to preach that he was the Messiah. He didn't tell them to preach about him. Now, I'm sure he was part of what they talked about. How could he not be after they witnessed the miracles and the signs and the wonders? And I'm sure that a lot of people only listened to the disciples after they found out that they were with him because they had heard all the miracles too. 
But the message he gave them to preach was that the kingdom of God was near. That kingdom, that time, that condition, whereby the will of God is done on the earth just like it is in heaven. And nobody really has uh, significant questions about heaven. Part of that may be because we don't know too much about heaven other than what the Bible tells us. But nobody questions what God's will is in heaven. Everybody accepts that there's no sickness or disease in heaven. That's partly why it's heaven. But God created the earth to operate in the same way that heaven operates. God created the earth to be a mirror image of heaven. And here in the scripture is telling us, telling the Jews, even those who would take the promised land, who would take possession of the promised land, unlike their fathers, the previous generation, but that would take possession of the promised land, God is saying by the Holy Ghost through Moses, God wants your days here on the earth to be like heaven. That's his will. That's his plan. That's his purpose. And he's equipped us to make that to be a reality. And that's what God wants us to know. Let me read it again. Verse 21. That your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you and you shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours from the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, as he has said unto you. Now, some people want to say, yeah, but that was God's promise to Israel. That doesn't have anything to do with us. Well, then why in the world does, Moses, does uh, the Holy Spirit inspire Paul to write to the Corinthians? The most sinful bunch of any of the churches that he started. Moses writes to the Corinthians, uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians saying that the things that happened in the Old Testament are examples for us. He doesn't say the things in the, that are written in the Old Testament were just for the Jews, but he tells the first generation church that the history of the Jews is an example for us to understand God, his purpose, his plan, his will, and so forth. And the example that he uses is the taking of the promised land. At least one of the examples he uses is the taking of the promised land. Now, let me remind you of a couple of things too, where it says, where we start reading over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 about how all our fathers, their fathers, our fathers, were baptized into Moses in the Red Sea. Coming out of Egypt and passing through the Red Sea on dry land is a type of salvation. Egypt is the type of the world the sinful world and passing through the Red Sea, an impossible feat that God did simply 
is a type of, is an example of being saved. Well, a lot of people look at the promised land as the example of when we get to heaven. But it couldn't be an example of that because there were still giants to fight. There were cities to take, walled cities. There were enemies in the promised land. There won't be any enemies in heaven. So the promised land cannot be a type or an example of heaven. Well, then what's an example of? It's an example of everything that belongs to us because of Jesus' work on the cross and his resurrection. Just like crossing over the Red Sea or passing through the Red Sea, I should say, was an example of salvation. Passing over, literally passing through the Jordan River on dry land, which is what Joshua leads the children of Israel through. That's a type of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The promised land, the land of fruit and uh, milk and honey with all the tremendous fruit that the, even the 10 spies brought back with them. Those are types of the blessings that belong to us because of Jesus' sacrifice. David said it like this in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He talks about the Lord's benefits. It says, forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Well, what benefits does he mention? He says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Well, that's part of salvation, isn't it? But then he goes further. He doesn't say the benefit and talk about forgiveness of sins. He says the benefits, plural. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. That's what the promised land is a type of too. Healing for the physical body. Who redeems thy life from destruction, David goes on to say. Well, he's talking about redemption in the context of deliverance. That's a part of what belongs to us. That's illustrated by the promised land. Who redeemeth our life from destruction and crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercy. He gives us another one too. He says, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David said all those things were benefits of the work that the Messiah would do thousands of years after the time David saw it and said it. That's what the promised land is a type of. The promised land is a type of everything that belongs to us because of Jesus' sacrifice. It's not a type of heaven. And God said to Israel that they could have his, his benefits and his blessings as an example of the work, the work of the Messiah in the future. One of the prayers that Paul prayed for the church as he was inspired by the Holy Ghost to pray was that God would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. There's nothing greater than to know who you are in Christ, what belongs to you because of Jesus' sacrifice, and what God's plan and purpose for your life really is. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb.
and all the pressure associated with the gates of hell here on the earth, the operation of hell and sin here on the earth. One translation, as I mentioned before, one translation says, the gates of hell shall not be able to hold out against it. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.